0: She's a rich girl, she don't try to hide it Diamonds on the want, of her shoes He's a poor boy, empty as her I Empty as a pocket with nothing to lose. Sink ta-na-na, ta-na-na, tanana. she got diamonds on the soles of the shoes. To she got diamonds on the soles of the shoes. Diamonds on the soles of the shoes. Well,
1: welcome, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 237 of Corruption, Crime and Compliance. Our episode today is a review of the SEC's uh, FCPA settlement with Tenaris. Well, uh, hello everyone. Thanks for joining me today. I'm recording this from sunny, beautiful Sicily in Italy uh, and working from here for a little while. I'm glad to uh, catch up with you. wanted to uh, resume a couple more podcasts. I was off last week. Uh, and so today we're going to talk about the Tenaris FCPA settlement with the SEC. A lot of, We've had a lot of recent developments in the uh, FCPA area. So uh, looking to catch up on some of these cases. So anyway, uh, before we start, how about a message from our new sponsor, Diligent. And uh, we'll be right back.
2: Diligent is the time-tested, award-winning provider of automated governance, risk, and compliance solutions. For over 20 years, Diligent has helped boards and C-suites to design and implement effective governance practices through its market-leading board application. Diligent has now expanded its offerings to include risk, compliance, and audit solutions. Building on these new and exciting capabilities, Diligent now offers the critical capability to connect boards, C-suite, risk, compliance, and audit teams to promote purpose-driven leadership. Building on this capability, Diligent provides a full suite of complementary services including risk management, ethics and compliance, environmental, social, and governance, and proactive auditing strategies and practices. Diligent solutions enable companies to implement robust corporate governance to mitigate and manage risk, create a culture of ethics and compliance, ensure that company controls are audit-ready, and implement tailored and responsive ESG solutions. If interested in exploring Diligent's unique complement of solutions, please reach out to Diligent at its website, www.diligent.com.
1: Well, the SEC uh, brought a case uh, against or settled a case with uh, Tenaris, and it's an interesting case. Um, The DOJ, uh, did not issue a declination, but the company, uh, Tenaris issued a press release indicating that DOJ had declined to prosecute, um, uh, Tenaris. And, uh, that's kind of an interesting discussion, uh, that I'll say for the next podcast on sort of an, uh, FCPA review for where we are this year so far. But let's start with, the. Uh, The uh, settlement, this was the third uh, enforcement action by the SEC this year against uh, a company. And the first was KT Corp, uh, which dealt with uh, South Korea and bribery occurring in South Korea. And uh, then we had Stericycle, uh, which was in Latin America. And this uh, third case is another case that occurs in Latin America, that being Brazil. Um, So we're starting to see a pickup in FCPA enforcement, uh, which was anticipated, but taking longer than we thought. But let's start about this case. Tenaris is a global supplier of steel pipes and related services for the energy uh, industry. And here they agreed to pay the SEC $78 million to resolve uh, FCPA violations. Uh, Like I said, the Justice Department closed its investigation, apparently, without bringing charges. Um, This resolution uh, is interesting because Tenaris is a recidivist. In 2011, Tenaris uh, earned a non-prosecution agreement with the Justice Department and a deferred prosecution agreement with the SEC arising uh, from bribery conduct that occurred in Uzbekistan. And notwithstanding this prior enforcement case, uh, Tenaris was able to dodge the uh, DOJ enforcement action. Uh, and apparently, it's, it's actually a little bit inconsistent, I think, with some of the statements that DOJ has made about their new policy. But DOJ, uh, I mean, I think that they were stressing Tenaris was probably stressing their remediation efforts, uh, but still, nonetheless, part of this conduct occurred after 2011, uh, after the non-prosecution agreement with regard to Uzbekistan. Uh, so this is interesting. Uh, the SEC obviously didn't give them a pass. Uh, the, the uh The Deferred Prosecution Agreement that the SEC used in 2011, by the way, was the first time the SEC uh, used a a DPA. Um, And this was uh, over 10 years ago. So, but let's talk about some of the conduct that occurred here, $78 million. And I'll I'll have more comments about DOJ's handling of this case in uh, our next podcast next week, so. Um, basically, the the conduct surrounded uh, bribes in Brazil to yes, yet again one of our favorite companies, Petrobras, uh, through a long time agent of uh, Tenaris's Brazil subsidiary. Uh, so this occurred between 2008 and 2013. Tenaris paid bribes uh, through this long term time agent of its Brazil subsidiary in exchange for. Petrobras forgoing a tender process for uh, contracts for steel pipes and tubes. So Tenaris uh, paid bribes to a high ranking manager, Petrobras, who was responsible for supply procurement and tender uh, proceedings or processes. Um, Interestingly enough, the Petrobras official was charged in Brazil and pled guilty to corruption uh, related offenses. So the bribery agent uh, arrangement was um, basically bribes that were used to ensure that tenaris's Brazil subsidiary remained the sole supplier, the sole source uh, in Brazil for this kind of uh, equipment. Um, and uh, as a sole supplier, sole source, they would have not a tender process, but direct negotiations Uh, on a contract price between Petrobras and Tenaris. And as the sole supplier, Tenaris earned additional revenue and profits, obviously. Uh, And in total, Tenaris paid approximately 10.4 million in bribes uh, to the Petrobras official. And um, so to conceal the bribery payments, the Petrobras uh, official Uh, recruited an associate to help him to disguise the payments. Now, the associate formed a company in Uruguay, which was a shell company, and opened the bank account in the company's name. And the bribery payments to the Petrobras official were then coordinated through this Uruguay bank account. Now, Uruguay, you'll see in many cases, uh, because of lax uh, banking regulation in Uruguay, it's a common outpost uh, on the continent for moving and disguising money. Uh, I've seen it in several cases. Uh, I had a case you know, in Argentina uh, where the money was moved through an Uruguay uh, bank. So always look for that. To me, Uruguay is sort of a, a red flag unto itself because there's a, a lax regulation Uh, with regard to beneficial ownership and and getting beyond shell companies. Uh, And the payments that were made here, the bribery payments, were initially sourced through an offshore company, which itself was funded by payments from a Tenaris parent company in Luxembourg, uh, in Tenaris. So the money then was transferred among various offshore and related companies, which were controlled by Tenaris, including a related account in Panama. So here we then have a Panamanian bank that's involved. uh, And the SEC's order didn't go into great detail about how this was uh, uh, moved uh, exactly, but we have an Uruguay bank with the uh, associate setting up the government officials um, banking uh, interests. And then you have a Panamanian bank that is moving the money from Tenaris to fund the bribery scheme. So you can see how both sides sort of start to come together here, uh, all using offshore related companies and then related account in Panama. So again, another red flag for us with Panama, uh, when you have banking relationships and they're sort of off the shelf companies that you can purchase uh, there and often are done so, uh, as a way to sort of uh, disguise ownership interests and movement of money. The bribery payments and the justification themselves uh, were supported by uh, fake contracts for consulting and advisory services between the Uruguayan and Panamanian companies. And additional bribery payments were made through similar sort of multi-level and complex schemes involving all these offshore accounts, related companies, um, and it's interesting, it would be interesting to know how the money itself got out of, t- uh, Tenaris, uh, from Luxembourg, uh, all the way down to a Panamanian bank. Um, but, uh, th- there was no great detail in the order, uh, about that. The payments that went to the Petrobras official, he, uh, he used the bribery proceeds for various purposes. He purchased real estate, uh, and lo and behold, artwork. Uh, Uh, as a way to disguise uh, the money. Now, a couple of other notes here. Um, The SEC obviously noted that uh, the Brazilian subsidiary of Tenaris uh, failed to maintain adequate accounting controls to ensure accuracy of its books and records. And then those books and records, and this is the way the SEC usually uh, asserts jurisdiction, is that those books and records go up into uh, Tenaris's parent books and records, uh, and consolidated for purposes of filing SEC uh, reports, and that's how uh, the SEC usually extends uh, its jurisdiction. Uh, Tenaris's $78 million payment consists of disgorgement, prejudgment interest, and civil penalties. Again, this was for a time period, a, a a range of conduct that began in 2008 and uh, ended in 2013. The SEC credited uh, Tenaris's cooperation and remedial efforts. Uh, so for example, Tenaris provided translated copies of various dec- documents and relevant witness testimony and encouraged parties outside the SEC's subpoena authority to cooperate, which is interesting because the SEC's subpoena authority outside the United States is not as strong as so for uh, DOJs, for example. Um, now Tenares also was credited for its third party uh, remediation efforts. Um, and in this way, they, uh, they enhanced their internal uh, accounting controls. Um, they also uh, uh, implemented or enhanced a global compliance organization. Uh, and I find that to be an interesting trend that, uh, that uh, DOJ and the SEC are crediting global compliance organizations uh, and um, included additional policies and procedures as to due diligence, use of third parties, and maintenance of adequate records uh, for purposes of accounting and compliance. Um, in addition, Tenaris terminated its, all of its uh, commercial agents in Brazil and reduced its commercial agents worldwide. They implemented a code of conduct, a code of ethics for senior financial officers, which uh, I'm seeing more and more of that, and I think that's a good trend. Uh, obviously a business conduct and ethics policy, and they conduct Tenaris regular anti-bribery and compliance training. Now, as part of the settlement, uh, Tenaris agreed to a robust reporting obligations over a two year period. Um, and uh, there's a lot of reporting that they do, more so than in other cases. Uh, and it also includes a, a CCO certification of compliance, uh, which is different than the DOJ uh, certification, but nonetheless, CCOs and senior executives are gonna be in these uh, certifications. Uh, situations at the end of its reporting obligations, so at the end of the two years. Um, So interesting that the SEC imposes this uh, without an independent compliance monitor, but just based upon undertakings made by the company with regard to uh, compliance program remediation and enhancement. So, Well, that's a quick overview of the Tenaris case, a really interesting case. I'm going to talk a little bit more about it. Uh, in the next episode 238, where we sort of catch up on FCPA enforcement and what's uh, going on lately. So, anyways, thanks for listening. Hey, talk to you next week from sunny Sicily. All the best to everybody.
2: Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. You can learn more about the legal and compliance services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com.
0: of a wave The poor boy changes clothes and he puts all aftershave to compensate for his ordinary shoes and She said, honey, take me dancing But they ended up by sleeping in a doorway By the bodegas and the lights on over Broadway Wearing diamonds on the soles of their shoes And I could say, ooh. ooh, ooh. And everybody you would know what I was talking about. I mean, everybody you would know exactly what I was talking about. I'm talking about that uh, 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 uh.